Chapter Eleven of the Wild Irishman by Thomas William Hodgson, T. W. H. Crossland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter Eleven, The London Irish. The Irishman in London appears to lose a great deal of his luster. If you wish to see him at his best in this metropolis, you must go to the bar. If you wish to see him at his worst you must go to the house of commons and both best and worst are pretty bad the irishman at the bar shall not be named but all the world knows that they are a fairly ill-conditioned community savage rude reasonably illiterate and not in the least witty many of them model themselves on the late lord russell and come off accordingly others again are beefy and vulgar and notorious bullies the judicial bench does not include an irish judge possibly this is fortunate in london journalism the irish scarcely count mr w m thompson edits a sheet called reynolds newspaper to the complete satisfaction of mr clement shorter and mr t p o'connor edits t p s weekly and m a p both of them journals with which london could well afford to dispense as for irish reporters and sub-editors they are few and timid and well under the heel of the scotch who are numerous and rampant and unblushing in the minor professions such as physic publishing and stockbroking the irish do not figure at all impressively the truly great physicians of london are mostly scotch so thank heaven are the truly great publishers while the stockbrokers are commonly believed to belong to the tribe of manasseh of the politicians a great deal more has been written than the politicians are worth let us draw a decent green veil over them few englishmen nowadays know which of them is alive and which of them is dead neither can one tell offhand whether they are for the government or against it i have heard rumours of the existence in london of an irish literary society somewhere in holborn there exists too i am told an irish club so far as letters are concerned london is pretty well denuded of irishmen mr george moore no longer abides with us mr w b yeats has latterly preferred dublin to the euston road mr george bernard shaw has become an american playwright if these gentlemen are members of the irish literary society so much the better for the irish literary society there is an irish poetess resident in twickenham but whose who informs us that her celtic quality has not been stimulated by a sojourn in her native land the irish club would seem to devote itself to smokers socials and enjoyable evenings its saturnalia are duly reported in reynolds newspaper probably the most distinguished irishman in the metropolis is sir thomas lipton whose name is as prominently associated with sport as it is with tea then there are the irish guards one of the finest bodies of men in the king's service and mr dennis o'sullivan england's only irish actor it will thus be seen that the london irish do not shine effulgently none of them is at the top of things as it were 
none of them has got very far above the middling the reason no doubt is that the irish temperament is coy the scotchman who comes to london knows that he is an alien and an interloper and despised of his fellow-men but he blusters it out the irishman on the other hand feels his position keenly and refuses to be other than diffident as a rule too he is without commercial aptitude and not vastly taken with the blessed word thrift besides which irishmen do not come to london in droves as do the scotch when they emigrate their natural tendency is toward america in any case it cannot be suggested that the london irish have at any time presumed to be aggressive neither have they made pretensions to superiority or exhibited a disposition to clannishness that they do not count is therefore probably their own fault for london in a greater degree perhaps than any other city in the world is always open to prostrate herself before the invader providing he be assertive and pushful enough leaving out the more or less eminent and glancing for a moment at the common rank of irishmen in london one is confronted with two facts and two facts only the first of them is that the london irish can muster insufficient force to make a st patrick's day concert or so financially successful and the second is that the morning after the metropolitan magistrates have invariably to deal with a fairly noble batch of irish drunks practically this is all that is known by the cockney respecting his irish fellow-citizen and i think that it is distinctly unfortunate for ireland because it fosters a false impression the scotch who are wilier take great care not to get drunk on st andrew's day end of chapter eleven recording by john brandon